0: From the Bhagavad Gita, the Stephen Mitchell's translation. The superior man is he whose mind can control his senses. With no attachment to results, he engages in the yoga of action. Do any actions you must do, since action is better than inaction. Even the existence of your body depends on necessary actions. The whole world becomes a slave to its own activity, Arjuna. If you want to be truly free, perform all actions as worship. The Lord of creatures formed worship together with mankind and said, By worship, you will always be fruitful and your wishes will be fulfilled. By worship, you will nourish the gods and the gods will nourish you in return. By nourishing one another, you will assure the well-being of all. Nourished by your worship, the gods will grant whatever you desire, but he who accepts their gifts and gives nothing back is a thief. Good men are released from their sins when they eat food offered in worship, but the wicked devour their own evil when they cook for themselves alone. Beings arise from food, food arises from rain, rain arises from worship, worship from ritual action, ritual action from God, God from the deathless self, thus the all-present God requires the worship of men. He who fails to keep turning, the wheel thus set in motion, has damaged the working of the world and has wasted his life.
1: Right, it's good to have a reading from the Bhagavad Gita, that translation by Stephen Mitchell, he also translated the Tao Te Ching as well, and we are hoping to get him up here come and talk to us sometime in the future. This is, as I said, the last of our little Lent series um, before we look forward next week to the crucifixion, our Good Friday. Uh, we've looked at, right at the beginning, when we had our ashing ceremony, those of you that were there, letting go of our opinions and attitudes of ourselves. Seems a long time ago now. Letting God come through in the form of love, we looked at when it was... Um, a Valentine's Day, recognizing that our ultimate identity is found in God. That was the next step in that higher self, in that divine consciousness that's common to us all. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at how we express that divine nature within us all. And today we're going to look at the concept of sacrifice and worship. Because if we allow ourselves to be expressed by that divine nature, if we allow ourselves to express that nature within us, it can feel like a form of sacrifice. We have to seemingly give up something in order to let God come through. And that that theme of giving up something goes right the way through the Bible. I mean, if you get, first of all, to the, the, the moment of, you know, Adam and Eve gave as a sacrifice their, their uh, Cain and Abel gave as a sacrifice their crops and their, and their um, animal right at the beginning. And then we had that key moment when Abraham was about to kill Isaac and the ram was sacrificed instead. And that was the moment really as a signal that human sacrifice, which they did do. They gave that which is the most precious to, to propitiate God. And then it was animal sacrifice. And I've mentioned this before, but at the time of Jesus, 90% of the economy of Jerusalem was about animal sacrifice. It was all about taking animals, penning them up, killing them, getting rid of them. That was the economy of Jerusalem, all about that. And it says something about the nature of religion. And then Jesus actually, again, he's perceived as being the sacrificial lamb an ultimate sacrifice. So right the way through the Bible, we have this, this sense of sacrifice, of being something that, that, that we had to enter into. And we always look at the idea of sacrifice as being some sort of exchange with God, even with our behavior. You know, if I behave well, God, will you please give me this? I mean, you know, we all think that. You know, if I'm you know, moral, then surely moral people won't, whatever it is. And, and actually, you can see it when you look at the nature of what sacrifice actually is compared to what we think it is. When you look at the word sacrifice, I've I mentioned this before, sacrifice comes from the, the word sacra, sacred, and feceri, right, doing, doing sacred things. It is sacrifices is not the giving in exchange. It's not the giving up, it's simply performing sacred rites. That is what the nature of sacrifice essentially is. It's performing a sacred rite. And therefore, the very nature of sacrifice, the very nature of it really essentially is worship. That is at the absolute heart of what sacrifice truly is. It's not a bargaining chip. It is performing of sacred rites. You know, that bit of Romans. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's an act of worship sacrifice. And that is the nature of our relationship to both God and life. You know, we talked we talk the other week about self-expression, expressing the higher self in all of us. And the sacrifice that's required of us is to be a conduit for that higher self it's like you know we become like the wick in the candle that that is the way that that we actually happen in that way of giving ourselves up to god the wick actually is not the bit that burns it is the wax that burns and as the wax burns down so the wick is diminished and similarly as we express ourselves the divine nature is like the wax and we are like the wick and the divine nature burns through us and it is us giving ourselves up to that that actually allows the flame, the light to come along. And that is the essence of how really we're asked to, get, to, to live our lives. And it's that type of sacrifice, the giving up to the purposes of God through an act of worship that is at the essence of it. The light produced by the burning of the flame is the product of the divine burning in our lives and is, in fact, it's an act of worship. And again, worship's an interesting concept. When you think of, you know, what is the root meaning of the word? It's what we're doing here in the church. A service is known as an act of divine worship. Even in Underhill, the mystical writer at the beginning of the last century, said that worship is the response of the creature to the eternal. It is the response of the creature to the eternal. And is echoed, you can see that echoed in the Lord's Prayer. You know, Father of us, the one who is in the heavens, hallowed be your nature. You know, once you actually get into God's presence, all you want to do is to hallow, you know, to worship. And actually it's good to look at what the root meaning of the word worship is. The word worship actually comes from two words, worth, worth, W-R-T-H, worth-ship, literally giving worth to God. That is what the essence of worship is, is giving worth to God. And when we worship, we give worth to the divine. And when we give worth to the divine, we create room for the divine in our lives. We prioritize the divine. We make the divine what is important, and we become a channel for that divine. And that's what we're doing here. The decision to come is giving worth to the divine above skiing, or whatever, or staying in bed. Saying a prayer is giving worth to divine. You know, meditating, singing hymns, it's all giving worth to the divine. And the more we give worth to the divine, the more the divine appears in our lives. It comes through us as we become like it. And that passage read by Andy in the Bhagavad Gita, you know, it takes it one stage further. It says, if you want to be truly free... Who doesn't if you want to be truly free perform all actions as worship if you want to be truly free perform all actions of worship and that is an amazing concept it's an amazing concept the, the idea that every act I do every act I do could be an act of giving worth to God that totally puts life in a new context. It makes us pause for thought before we do anything. Is this act I'm about to perform giving worth to God? Can it be undertaken as an act of worship? And when we do it like that, our whole lives become sacred. Our whole lives become an act of worship. They become Our whole lives become a sacrifice and we're spending our lives performing sacred acts and we therefore become living sacrifices that's what that passage in Romans means therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in the view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship that all acts that we do are an act of worship it says in the Gita that by worship you will nourish the gods, and the gods will nourish you in turn. And that is the eternal dance of life. That is the dance of the divine. As, we, as our act is an act of worship, we become nourished in the same way. We become God speaking to God. We become life speaking to life. We become consciousness speaking to and becoming consciousness. And all our actions in our lives can therefore become an act of worship. And our lives therefore take on the character of worship. We start, to, we start to perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, as it says in the Colic for Purity. Worship and sacrifice therefore go hand in hand in the way that we live out our lives, by allowing ourselves to be a way for the wax to burn. We shine a light that allow others to see the way as well, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. And by offering ourselves as living sacrifices, our lives become a vehicle for giving worth to the divine in the world, and thereby, thereby transforming consciousness and the consciousness of others. And the amazing thing is that when we do this, we become fed. By worship you will nourish the gods, and the gods will nourish you in return. By nourishing one another, you assure the well-being of all. But there's a warning in that as well. It just a bit later on, a warning comes in. He says, He who fails to keep turning the wheel, thus sets in motion, that sets in motion has he who fails to do that has damaged the world and is wasting his life. The wicked devour their own evil when they cook for themselves alone. And therefore, when you do something that is not an act of worship, but is just holy and pleasing to you, then you're stopping the process. It becomes just about you rather than everybody else. And like prayer wheels have to be kept turning from one person to another, we have to continually pay it forward to keep giving worth, no matter what the circumstances. With no desire for success, no anxiety for failure, indifferent to results, the master burns up her actions in the fire of wisdom. The burning up of the actions, the acting as an act of worship, whatever the results, you don't pay, it doesn't matter what the result is. You act, and then you step back. The action rooted in worship does not have an eye on the outcome. For any worship is the intention. For worship is the intention of every action. And therefore, there is never any disappointment because every action, the purpose is the worship. Now, as with all things, that's all well and good in theory. But we all know how how difficult it is to put it into action. You know, especially when your life's falling apart. You know, you, you can hear all these, oh, yes, that's great, but, you know, how do you do it when, when things are shambly or difficult? Or, actually, shambly, don't mention it. Is, is, is that an American word, shambly? No. There used to be a place in a town called the Shambles, where everybody lived that you know, were in chaotic and riotous behavior. So they were called it. So it's something shambly. It's, it's like that. So, how can you be indifferent to the outcome? How can you not be affected by the anxiety of failure and the desire for success, which we're all affected by all the time? But I think the key to that is to act in your life within the frame of sacrifice and worship. If you could keep that frame as the frame within things are happening, then the very act of your life falling apart becomes a context for that worship. It becomes a context. Every action that you take... I'm on the last page. Just, I know some of you like to know. Thinking, how long is he going to go on for? So you can relax. It's a big last page. So, you know, it's a <laughs> and it's 16 points. So. Every action you take in worship is not taken with a view of success or failure. But it's taken with a view to giving worth to God. And that changes everything because... Whatever the outcome, whatever the outcome, God is present. And that's all you really want. I, I know you think you want other things, but that's all you actually do want, to be God, to be present. That's really what you want in life. I'm just telling you that. <laughs> you, know, you might think it's the Lamborghini or that Porsche, but actually, all you actually do want is for God to be present. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you can hold the idea that every act I do is an act of giving worth to God. You know, as I hold this lectern with my life falling apart, every act I do is an act of giving worth to God. This act of speaking is an act of giving worth to God. The prisoner in the concentration camp, slowly walking along, each action, each step, can be an act of giving worth to God. Everything we do, have a mundane, can be an act of giving worth to God. In fact, every breath we take can be an act of giving worth to God. And that is the nature of meditation. The breath you take is an act of giving worth to God. It is true yoga. There's been a lot of yoga in the chapel this last week. This is true Yoga. The root meaning of yoga being union or yoking with the divine spirit. That's what yoga means. It means union or yoking with the divine spirit. By one's life becoming a vehicle for worship, for giving worth to God, so we become yogis. One who practices yoga. One who practices union with the divine spirit. And again, that leads us back to Evelyn Underhill, who said, mysticism is the art of union with reality. The mystic is the person who has attained that union to a greater or lesser degree, or who aims at and believes in such an attainment. It is the mystical path that worship, continually giving worth to God in our actions. The idea that every act we do is giving worth to God is the action of the mystic and is the true path to God. But you have to hold on to it. It's very tempting to forget the context and become immersed in the circumstances and focus on the circumstances and how you deal with them and what you do about it and how you respond, you know, all that sort of stuff. At that moment, it becomes about survival. That becomes the emphasis. And we forget the idea of our lives being about something else. God comes to us in the circumstances of our lives and she asks us to respond to her rather than the circumstances. Then our life becomes a sacred rite to be performed with the divine. Then we become the wick in the candle, burning with the fire of the divine. And then our sacrifice, our sacred rites become holy and real. Come to the end. Let's pray. We do pray, Lord, that you will give us the ability to focus on you rather than the circumstances of our life that we may use those circumstances to be drawn into a deeper relationship with you, that we may have the wisdom and the heart and the courage, the heartness, the courage to be able to put ourselves in your hands completely and know that by doing that, we feed and become fed, we pray for our community here that we may be able to be like that. We pray for the wisdom in the world. Pray for our leaders that they may act sacredly in the way that they go about their business. I pray for our town. I pray for all those on the mountain at the moment, all the visitors people working the lifts, giving lessons, ski patrol, all those part of our community here. We pray for safety. pray for all those who are hungry in the valley, in prison, wanting, lonely, struggling. May your peace be in their hearts. And we pray for those in our midst that are struggling. We pray for Bob and Connie Fisher. For Shelley Franklin, Patricia Hill, Lucy Crichton, Barbara Orkut, Dale Potvin, Paula Johnson. And we pray for the family and friends of Jerry Noakes, a friend of Elaine Staplehorst, who died last week. And also the family and friends of Lolly Schweitzer, who also died, and today would have been her 76th birthday. And we just remember those that are unknown to others but we know that are struggling and we name them quietly in their hearts.